Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And uh, I preached on the day of Pentecost, which is the answer, especially to the issue of racism that we are focusing on through the tragic and avoidable death of George Flynn. And uh, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. The Pentecostal message that the Spirit of God is God's gift upon all flesh to join together the nations that were once divorced by God, separated from him, but now regathered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to address more specifically the issue of racism. But happily, I didn't have to go looking for a message, looking for a verse, looking for a scripture. Because the very next verse in the passage that I've been expounding, Romans chapter 12, deals with this issue, this evil, as well as every other evil. And so I'm still in my regular preaching series. How relevant is the word of God? How timely is the Holy Spirit when he leads us uh, through his word? The answer is in the word of God. So let me briefly say, Romans chapter 12 has been a passage I've been preaching on under the theme of the new things that God is doing, times of renewal. It's about renewing your mind. It's about renewing your gifts and moving in the spirit of God to exercise your gifts, to serve one another. It's also walking in the newness of who you are. And that's where my attention has been. And I've been looking through that passage. It speaks about love. It speaks about compassion. It speaks about passion. And it also speaks about what I'm calling today assertion. And so my title is Authentic Assertion, Overcoming Evil with Good. Coronavirus is a viral evil. But right now we're being confronted by another pandemic evil, racism. The tragic and avoidable death of George Floyd, in police custody, uh, not the only one, a long, long line of people who've died in police custody in America and in this nation. But that death in particular has become the focal point of a global outrage against this form of spiritual evil and human injustice. There can be no more urgent question in the light of this, then how do we overcome evil in our world today? So we turn to, to the word of God. And for us as believers, that's the only answer. We don't turn just to the thoughts of men. We turn to the thoughts of God and the word of God. And my passage, the very next few verses in the series to bring this part of the series to a conclusion in this timely fashion is Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. I'm going to read it for you. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals 
on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One online dictionary defines racism like this. It is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. I believe God wants us to enter into times of renewal, which we have seen in this series is about renewing your mind and being transformed. I believe the possibility exists within our lifetime to so renew our minds that we'll be transformed into a situation where racism barely exists, if at all. But we've got to look into our own hearts. Uh, uh, A week or so ago, as I was praying and thinking about this lockdown and hearing that we need to make plans as to how to come out of the lockdown and maybe begin to gather in churches again bit by bit, I really felt impressed on my mind this thought, do not hurry to get out of lockdown. God hasn't finished with us yet. He wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us personally, more within the church. And I realized that up until that point, we'd been facing many problems which were coming at us from the outside. And this issue of racism is also another one. It's a national and international global issue. We cannot ignore it and just go on our own little fellowship and, and, and sweet way. No, we have to face this that's happening externally and it's coming from the outside. However, the word of the Lord is don't treat it as that. Don't treat it as an outside-in situation. Treat it as something that is relevant to our own hearts, our own lives. And at that particular point, the strong impression was we should never even contemplate coming out of lockdown to go back to business as usual. In terms of the Church of Jesus Christ, we have not had the privilege of buildings. But as the Archbishop of Canterbury said, on uh, Easter Sunday, that buildings are not necessary. The early church met in homes. And if we were never to go back to any building, public worship, we would still thrive and flourish as the church of Jesus Christ because we don't go to church, we are the church. Now, with this issue of racism, it's all part of what God is saying. Put your heart, get your heart right and put your house as Uh, in order. We can't go back to business as as usual. Now, in this change of mindset, uh, the passage that we have looked at over these weeks says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's talking about new creation. It's talking about who God has made us in Christ. And if there's a new creation, there's an old creation. And to echo some words, we have all been created equal because we have been made in the image of God. Yes, we are fallen image bearers, but created in God's image in the first instance, even though that image is broken. But the truth of the new creation is, is that in Christ and only in Christ can that be healed and restored. 
Echoing words which were spoken so many years ago in 1963. I have a dream. A man will be judged by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. Martin Luther King Jr. in that uh, address in Lincoln Memorial. 1963, 100 years of the abolition of slavery in the United States of America. He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now then, what I say to you is that without the prior understanding that we are made in the image of God, there is no guarantee that dignity and equality will be recognized and upheld ever. Martin Lloyd, uh, Martin, Martin Lloyd Jones, Martin Luther King Jr. said previously, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. These were the words of Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Declaration of Independence. And he draws on those words. Now I want to ask you, if you were sitting a test today and you had a multiple choice question, all men are created equal, would you say this is a paraphrase of a passage from Roman law, Greek democracy, Charles Darwin, the Humanist Manifesto, or the Bible? You would be right to say that was drawn on the Bible. God created us in his image and verses of the passage of the Bible speak about our equality before him. So the defeat of racism begins with the renewal of the mind. Racism is an idea. The idea that we can judge others on the basis of their color and of their race from the perspective that our race is superior. It's an idea that no wonder we work with the, with the giants of thought and philosophy. And so as we get rid of that idea, and it has to be a voluntary choice, it's a spiritual battle, we cannot brainwash people out of this. We can't do a physical operation and change their thinking. We must preach truth, but do so in the context of spiritual warfare in which we oppose the spiritual forces that put forward ideas that are exalted above the truth and revelation of Jesus Christ. Over the last few weeks of this series, we've seen that love is defined by truth, which is the ultimate reality, not my reality or your reality, but truth, God's reality. We've seen that passion is defined, defined by the new love, a new love, a new passion, not revolving around my issues and my preferences of the past, or my history, or my culture, or my pain, or my anger, or even my outrage against injustice. Passion is defined by a love for God. That's why it's so wonderful to see uh, the uh, Tayo and Toyin speak about love. And compassion, we've seen that compassion is defined by desire to see people set free from whatever oppresses them. And this leads me into this final message in this part of the series on authentic assertiveness. Overcoming evil with good. Now, of course, we begin with this. Evil exists. Now, before I even say again that racism is evil, I have to say to you, evil exists. 
Why is this important? It might be so self-evident. I, 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 I defy anybody who doesn't believe that there is such a thing as right and wrong, evil and good. And many, many philosophers do that today. And at common level in the street, many people don't believe that such a thing is right and wrong. They believe truth is relative. We live in a, we live in a realm of post-truth. They don't think that, that anything is good or right or wrong in and of itself. And this is a philosophy of relativism that must be smashed once and for all. And this issue of racism demonstrates how ridiculous and how empty the philosophy is of relativism that says there is no such thing really as right and wrong. Evil exists. I defy you to stand before any crowd of people or any public platform today and say what happened to George Floyd was not wrong. To say, no, no, it's not wrong. It's not evil. This isn't wrong. It's okay. This is what we choose to do. I might not like it. You might, might not like it, but it's not wrong because there's no such thing as right and wrong. We know in our gut that this is wrong at so many levels. Not just the one human being treating another human being like that to put them in a neck hold so that they suffocate and die. But when you add the element of race into it, it takes it to another level. Evil exists. There is such a thing as good and evil. Because if evil exists, good exists. Did you ever think about that? C.S. Lewis, the author of Mere Christianity, a remarkable man, as well as a, a, a tremendous uh, author and literary scholar, he was an apologist. And his view was that there's so much bad in the world, so much which is cruel and unjust, that uh, how could God exist if God is supposed to be a God of love and a good God? And these were his own words. He said, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? So what C.S. Lewis was saying, and it's a hopeful thing, that where we see evil and can recognize it as evil, we are using a standard by which we recognize that good exists. And this evil is a de deprivation of good. So my first encouraging word is, yes, evil exists, but because evil exists, good exists. And because good exists, God exists, because there can be no other arbitrator of what is right and wrong other than the objective, ultimate reality of who God is. Amen and amen. So evil exists. Evil points to the existence of good, but the very tenor of this passage is that evil must be overcome and evil will be overcome. In the kingdom of God, it will be overcome because the way to deal with darkness is to switch on the light. And Jesus is light. God's word is light and we are the light of the world. The way to deal with injustice is to bring justice into being in that situation. Uh, there is power in this. There is power in love. The way to deal with error is to bring the truth. The way to deal with hate is to bring the love of God. And this is who we are. And we are all part of it. None of us can sit at home and say, this doesn't affect me.
If it affects the least of these of, of Jesus' brethren, it affects us. You may have never experienced racism in your life, but you're probably sitting next to somebody who has. You may not think that there's any form of prejudice in you, but you need to examine your heart as I do mine, we all do, to deal with all forms of prejudging and all forms which is inherent in our society and which has been aided and embedded by the so-called false science of evolution which originally was, was used uh, in Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species, used as a scientific means of justifying segregation, justifying superiority of one race above another. That's been airbrushed out of history, and in the new Darwinianism, they've completely removed it. But unless you can go back to the beginning to say we're all created equal in the image of God, there is no basis of equality, there's no basis of justice. The answer is not to move away from church, the answer is not to move away from the gospel, the answer is not to move away from the Bible, but back to the Bible, back to the gospel, and back to the church of Jesus Christ. Now, in dealing with this, this is the passage, I'll be brief on this because it's very evident when we look at it. We are followers of Christ and we're called to be warriors of the light. We are called to become overcomers of evil. Now, when evil hits you, the first thing is that you are deeply hurt. You've got, you've got to accept that. You are deeply hurt. And from that hurt can flow all kinds of other damaged and negative emotions. Out of that hurt, when you've been treated as less than a human being, what, what is the first thing? The hurt can lead to what? Okay, obviously anger and bitterness and outrage, yes. But there's something else. There's shame. There is shame. When I hear stories of my West Indian brothers and sisters who first came to this country and were so, so treated so badly that they'd go home and cry out to God saying, God, why was I not born white? That is not just hurt. That's shame. And I want you to say, I want to say to you, Jesus came to take that shame away. We are never to be ashamed of who we are. We wear our color with pride, whatever it is. Your skin is what you live in. And I see your skin, you see my skin, and we, that's what we are. It's not ultimately who we are, we're children of God. Uh, but, but out of that shame, so the, to deal with shame is self-compassion. This is not your fault. You do not take on and internalize the shame that society puts on you. It's hard to do, easy to say, but the power of the Holy Spirit can bring a healing in your life today, especially when we stand together in one body. But pain and hurt, yes, can turn to bitterness and hatred, and hatred can breed more hatred, and so do not take vengeance, says the Bible. Now, this doesn't mean to say you shouldn't pursue uh, um, Justice. This is talking about personal vengeance. You know, uh, Jesus talk, talked about this. Paul is taking this straight from the Sermon on the Mount, the teaching of Jesus. Love your enemy. Pray for those who, dis who despitefully use you. And it's talking about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Never be ashamed of forgiving the people who hurt you or hate you. 
Never be ashamed because the power of forgiveness is the power of love and it brings upon them a release that might bring them to repentance. But if not, your prayer of forgiveness will be a witness against that perpetrator on the day of judgment. Never be ashamed to forgive. Leave it to God's wrath. There is coming a day when all justice will be perfectly done. It's God's responsibility as the ultimate judge, the moral governor of the universe. But listen to this. That doesn't mean to say that we just take it. We're going to see that that's not the way. God has given us agents of justice in this world and in democratic societies and in any society where we can influence the rulers who rule over us. It is our responsibility to pursue justice in every way, shape or form. But at a personal level, we extend forgiveness and grace. And this is what I talk about, which is what I mean when I talk about authentic assertion. It's overcoming evil with good. Overcoming the things which are gone wrong in the world. Overcoming with love. Repaying evil with good. The authentic assertion, I use the word assertion, I thought maybe confrontation is a better word, but no, assertion means, it doesn't mean to say that you respond with hate, but you stand up, you stand up for who you are, you stand up for the right, even if it, even if it offends. And the dictionary definition of assertiveness means a per, assertive person states their needs and opinions clearly so that people take notice. That's, that's what protest is all about. But it's not just what you say, it's also what you do. So let's go through this. It's not self-assertion. You don't take the matter in your own hands, but you expose evil with good. Shine the light into the darkness. Shine the light and reprove the evil works of darkness. But you also take action. And together as a church, we're going to take action. And we're going to begin with an open discussion and seeking God on Wednesday evening as we launch this giant, this new giant. Uh, it's our approach. The giant is not new. And that giant exists in every other giant. But we're going to focus on this to see what we as a church are one of the leading churches in London for interracial harmony. We take action. First of all, first action, what is it? We pray. You say, wait, 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 wait a bit, you're telling me to take action, that's not action, that's inaction. No, it isn't. There may be many things you can do after you have prayed, but there is nothing you can do before you have prayed. And you do that because this is a spiritual battle. So we, we pray with spiritual warfare. We preach the gospel, we teach the kingdom of God. We speak up, we call it out, we protest, forceful protest, assertive protest, not violent. Peaceful. I was so amazed to hear the mayor of Atlanta. Tonight we have a pastor from Atlanta uh, speaking to us, Pastor Michael Youssef. And she's a black female uh, mayor. And, and she did a speech, very controversial in many ways. She said to the people who are, who are rioting in Atlanta, go home. This is not a protest. This is not in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. This is chaos. When Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, we didn't do that to our city. Um, and, and Martin Luther's namesake 
Martin Luther King Jr., his namesake, Martin Luther, knew how it was to speak a word of love when the extremists took over and were entering churches and tearing down uh, images and, and destroying those temples uh, of, of false religion as they saw it in those days. So we do protest, yes we do, but we do more than protest, we become an example. Kensington Temple, 110 nationalities or whatever, <laughs> over 100, that's the safest. The last time we did it, technically, it was 119, doesn't matter, it's over 100. And, and, and we are an example, saying, come and see, we are a church which is non-racial in as much as it does not prejudge, it does not discriminate. And anything that we bring into our worship which is impure by the way of attitudes and prejudices, God help us purify that. And then we work through all legitimate political democratic means to change society. And I went online and I just saw a week on Sunday, week, week last, week, a week ago today, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, our good friend, brother-in-law, of Ruth Ann Cannings, uh, wife, his wife was Lois, uh, Ruth Ann Cannings' sister, who sadly went to be with Jesus, well, joyously went to be with Jesus, but sadly for the rest of us, and particularly for Tony, who has had so many losses and tragedies in his life. And he gave a speech because uh, their sermons are pre-recorded. Mine is live. For better, very risky, for better or for worse, here it is. But most uh, sensible pastors will record it in advance to make sure that all that is working technically. And, and he then did a little speech before his pre-recorded message last Sunday. And, and this is just one practical thing I want to take from it. He said, I'm not quoting him word for word, but this is the gist of what he said. Find somebody, and I want you to do this. Will you do this? Find somebody different from you. Embrace them, get to know them, get to love them. And together go and find somebody who needs help, less fortunate than you. Go together and do that. It sounds like a very small, inconsequential thing, but that's how we're going to change. That's how we're going to change our society. There are many more things that we can do by way of social, political action, and we will take a look at those things. But remember, it is a fight worth the fight. It's certainly worth fighting for. I want to finish with a, a speech. It's called Sam's Speech. And my justification for it is a wonderful script, part of the movie, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, justification for it also is that it's based on Tolkien's book and he was a Christian and here we have in the second part of the trilogy the two towers Frodo and Sam who are hobbits this is mythology of course but it, it rings true they continue their journey to Mordor to destroy the one ring which has it speaks of power and the, it's so powerful, it even seduces Frodo, the hero. And he, just for a moment, he loses himself and he starts to attack his friend. And then he realizes what's happening. 
and, and, and he drops his sword and he says, I can't do this, Sam. Sam says, I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. But we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. When the sun shines, it will, be, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? That there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. We cannot turn back. We will not go back to business as usual. This is worth fighting for.